Welcome to the Rabbi Greenberg Show, the podcast that brings Jewish knowledge to you. One of the most important narratives in the Torah involves the construction of the Mishkan. The Mishkan was a portable sanctuary, sometimes referred to as the tabernacle, that traveled with the Jews throughout their sojourn in the desert. In fact, it continued to become their focal point even after they entered into Israel for the 14 years of the conquest and the distribution of the land, they still had that mishkan, that tabernacle. And in this week's Torah portion, the Torah devotes an entire section to all the fine details of the construction of this sanctuary and the vessels contained therein. One of the most important parts, and it was the majority of the mishkan of the tabernacle, were the krashim, the boards or the beams. And the Torah goes into great detail about how these beams, how big they are, how they should be placed, and so on. At the end of the section of the beams, the Torah adds the following verse. You should erect the tabernacle correctly as you will be shown on the mountain. In other words, we have to make sure to make the boards in the right and proper place. So the Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, asks the question, the beams have rules? What does it mean you have to make sure the beams are put in their proper place? What difference does it make where one beam is and where another beam is? As long as they're all the same size and they fit, that would be good enough. And the Jerusalem Talmud answers no. The beams that you were placed on the north side should not be switched to the south side, or vice versa, the south to the north. And the question is, why not? What difference does it make? If the beams are identical, who cares if the beam was originally in the north or originally in the south? So the simple understanding of this law is based on a principle in Jewish law, a general principle called ma'alin bakodesh, ve'ein moridin. In matters of holiness, you always go up. You always ascend. You never go down. A few examples will help illustrate the point. Example number one, when we wear a talit, a prayer shawl, there's something that we place. Some people have a a strip of silver on the top of the talit. Some people just have a piece of linen stretched across the top so that we always know where the top of the talus is so that the tzitzit that hang from the two corners of the top should never be put on the bottom, because then we would go from being up there, bringing it down to a lower level, because that which is higher is usually considered to be more honorable, more dignified. Another example would be we have to wear the talit in the morning when we pray, and we also wear the tefillin, which comes first. And there's a whole discussion about that. But one of the reasons given why we put the talit first because the tefillin impart more holiness to the person who wears it than the talit. So first you start off with a lower level of holiness, that is through the observance of the talit, the prayer shawl, and then you go to a higher level. Another example, a more common example, more famous example, is the one about Hanukkah. According to the school of Hillel, on the first night of Hanukkah we light one candle, the second night two and three. Why that way? Why not just light every night the same amount? Or why don't we do like the school of Shammai, start with eight and then go down, light in descending order, first night eight, then seven, then six? Why does the school of Hillel insist on doing it in ascending order? 
Again, the principle, do you, you go up in matters of holiness, but you don't go down. I just want to share a personal note. When I was 13 and I had the privilege of having an audience with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, it was customary for a bar mitzvah boy to prepare two discourses, a Hasidic discourse and a Talmudic discourse. And the Rebbe would very often ask questions of the bar mitzvah boy. And he asked me this question because my topic that I delivered this Talmudic discourse was about this very subject, that in matters of holiness, you go up and not down. You put on the talit first, then the tefillin. And the Rebbe asked me a question, is that principle a biblical one or a rabbinical one? And I said to the Rebbe, I had not studied that. I don't know the answer. And the Rebbe smiled and he says, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, was also in doubt about that. He made me feel that if you don't know, no big deal, because even the great sage, the Alter Rebbe, had some doubts whether it's biblical or rabbinical. But either way, biblical or rabbinical, this is a major principle in Jewish law that we don't go from higher to lower. Now, when it comes to boards and beams in the Mishkan, the north side of the temple, of the sanctuary in the desert, but also later in the holy temple in Jerusalem, was considered holier than the south side. The north side was considered to be a place where certain sacrifices had to be slaughtered and no other place because these were holier sacrifices. So the north is considered to be holier than the south. So a beam that was placed originally in the north should not be demoted, as it were, by placing it in the south. And that's the reason why you're not supposed to uh, move the beams from one place to another. And those are the rules concerning beams. Everything that pertains to any part of the Torah has to have a lesson for us, but especially when we're dealing with the sanctuary, because that's the whole idea behind the creation of the world. God created the world to have a place that he can dwell and feel comfortable residing within, and we do that through every mitzvah that we do. We bring God into this world. As a model of what the master plan for the universe is, God says, create a sanctuary. That sanctuary, by me being present in that sanctuary, and I'm present there because of the things that you're doing within the sanctuary, is the model, the paradigm for the entire world. So whatever applies to the tabernacle or the holy temple in Jerusalem applies to each and every one of us in our own daily lives. So let's try to understand the difference between north boards or beams or the south beams. What is the difference between the two and how do we apply this rule that you're not supposed to move the north to the south in our own spiritual lives? The construction of the tabernacle included primarily the krashim, the boards or the beams, as we just noted. The Hebrew word for beam is keresh. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, in his landmark, landmark discourse that he actually had published to coincide with the day that he passed away and to be studied then, and since that day of his passing in 1950, the 10th day of Shvat, every year we study that discourse. And one of the major themes of that discourse is that the whole purpose of the Mishkan, of the sanctuary, was to take a keresh, Keresh is a board. If you rearrange the letters of the word Keresh, it spells Sheker, falsehood. If you rearrange it another way, it spells Kesher, a bond. The whole objective of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, was to take the falsehood of this world, 
the world that is filled with duplicity, is filled with violence, with hatred, with nonsense, which is all false, it's all contrary to God's purpose and God's plan, to take that falsehood of the world, and there are many different levels and gradations of falsehood, but whatever level it is, take that and transform it into a kesher, into a bond with God. In other words, to make the world that starts off being a world where God is utterly concealed, the Hebrew word for world, olam, means concealed, because God's presence is not visible when you just look at the world, you see a physical world. And that's what allows people to engage in falsehood. So the whole objective is to take the the sheker, the falsehood of the world, and by making a kerish, a board, a beam of the sanctuary, you create a kesher, a bond between this world, this physical world, and God. That's the ultimate objective. And then there are two ways that it manifests itself, because Judaism is not just about one direction. Judaism is dynamic because it deals with every direction, because we are dynamic creatures. The world is not just one kind of world, one shade of color. There are many colors, many hues. And in general, there's what we call the north, the challenge of the north, and the challenge of the south. And let me explain. The north side of the sanctuary housed the shulchan, the table. The table is the, the, the part of the sanctuary upon which they had 12 loaves of, of uh, bread. It's called lechem hapanim, the show bread. And this table with its bread is the symbol of materialism. It's the symbol that where does all of our material success come from? Where does our food come from? Where does our just our physical existence come from and everything that we need and everything we possess, it comes from God's blessing that is channeled through the sanctuary. The sanctuary was like the channel through which the energy to enable us to have all the material things that we need comes through that sanctuary and it's associated with the north. So the Talmud says if you want to be rich, you should face When you face Jerusalem, you should tilt your head a little bit towards the north. In other words, you should focus that where does your wealth come from? It doesn't come from your good looks. It doesn't come from your your brilliance, from your ingenuity. Of course, those are all important ingredients. I don't know about the good looks, but the ingenuity does help when a person is engaged in business. But you have to know that the ultimate source of all of your blessings comes from God. And it comes from God through the prism and through the channel of the sanctuary. In other words, when you devote your life to recognizing that everything that you have in your life comes from above, and you recognize that the reason why God gave you this material existence is not just to indulge in the physical world. God doesn't begrudge you. You can have wealth. There's nothing evil about wealth in and of itself. But you have to know that the wealth should be used as a medium through which you can better serve God. With wealth, you can buy a nice pair of tefillin. With wealth, and you could fulfill all the commandments. You can study Torah and not have to worry about where am I going to get my bread? Where am I going to get my food? How am I going to survive if I just study Torah? And thirdly, you have to recognize that God gave you whatever you have to share with others. And you have to give 10 to 20% of your debt income to charity, to helping others and needy causes. So when you do that, in other words, when you recognize that the temple, the sanctuary is the source of wealth, 
that fulfills your purpose in this world. And that fulfills God's objective that he created this world to make it into a dwelling place because you're using the physical world as a vehicle to, to bring God into this world. That's the north. And that's what the beams on the north side were there to highlight. <coughs> Excuse me. But then there's the south. What was on the south side of the sanctuary? The menorah. The menorah, which is the candelabrum that illuminated the world, is the symbol of spirituality. It's a symbol of the spiritual aspect of Judaism. In addition to living our lives fully in accordance with God's will and making the world a sanctuary, God also wants us to engage in spiritual experiences. He wants us to invest our mitzvahs, our actions that we do with spiritual awareness of God, with focusing and concentrating on the spiritual aspects of our existence. And that's what is associated, that's what the South is all about. And the beams on the South highlight the challenges that exist in the spiritual world. What are the challenges in the North? The challenges in the North is that when you're involved in the physical world, you're associated with so much sheker, so much falsehood, so much duplicity, so much cheating and lying. And the whole goal is that you transform that falsehood and you turn it into a keresh, into a board of the holy sanctuary. You make it into a bond with God. But what is the challenge? In the physical world, there's so much sheker, there's so much falsehood. What about in the world of spirituality on the south? If the South is associated with the spiritual challenges that we have, what falsehood could there be in spirituality? And the answer is, there's plenty of falsehood in spirituality, because sometimes spirituality could be used as an excuse to shirk one's obligations. And you know what? Even on the highest spiritual level, we're still human beings, and therefore there's a certain amount of ego that everyone has on one level or another, and that's false. That ego is false. So we have to transform that falsehood and elevate ourselves to a higher level of perception and experience where the ego gets smaller and smaller. So being spiritual doesn't negate the fact that we can be indulging in something that's false. Sometimes spiritual people become very arrogant because they have a more heightened spiritual awareness and they're more sophisticated. So we have to check the falsehood even of the South, of the people who are associated with spirituality, with the menorah, just as we have to check the falsehood of those people who are associated with the North, with the shulchan, with the table which had the bread, symbol of materiality and physicality. So we have both challenges, the challenge of the North, the challenge of the South. And here the Torah tells us, don't put the North side boards elsewhere. Don't exchange them because in the final analysis, the primary objective of the creation of the world was not for spirituality. That's a very big shock to many people. Isn't the goal to become spiritual? No. The goal is to make the, the, the world, the physical world, a dwelling place for God. And that we achieve primarily through the physical actions that we undertake that are consistent with God's will. We put on tefillin, we wear tzitzit, we put a mezuzah on our doorpost, we give tzedakah, we light Shabbat candles, and so on and so forth. There are 613 commandments and many rabbinical commandments, and there's so much that involves the physical world, piece of leather, 
piece of parchment that comes from an animal turns into a mezuzah. We transformed the home that, that way and we make it a dwelling place for God that the whole home of ours becomes an extension of the sanctuary of the holy temple in Jerusalem. That is the ultimate goal. Yes, we need spirituality and we have to make sure that the spirituality doesn't take us adrift. But spirituality is only there as an enhancement. It doesn't have the same objective as the physical things that we do. The physical things fulfill God's purpose and plan for the universe. The spiritual things instill it with a soul, with enthusiasm, with love, with joy, which is extremely important, but not quite as important. It's subordinate to the need to create a sanctuary in the physical world. The North trumps the South. In the Messianic age, we will see the complete fulfillment of this sanctuary model where the entire falsehood of the world that we're seeing so much of these days will be transformed and everyone, every flesh, the prophet says, will see God speaking and with his power creating the whole world and the whole world will become one dwelling place for the Almighty. Thanks for listening to The Rabbi Greenberg Show.